The episode this week uh, is with a correctional nurse, and it does involve some potentially distressing subject matter uh, regarding a death of an inmate in custody. So if this is uh, something triggering for you, you may want to turn away now. I'm Nurse Jessica Seitz, along with Nurse Erica. We're Nurses Uncorked, the podcast that takes nursing facts with nursing comedy and makes a little cocktail out of it. Welcome back to Nurses Uncorked. I have Nurse Erica here with me again, as always. I'm Nurse Jessica Seitz. We have um, an amazing episode for you today. You're going to want to tune in and listen to the entire episode. We are uh, privileged and honored to have a nurse with us today by the name of Michelle Hewins. Um, is a nurse that if you're not familiar with Michelle's story, you will be. You're going you're gonna to recognize the story um, and what happened to um, Nurse Michelle. Uh, we're going to let Erica take it away, actually, because um, Erica's going to get into some of the details. But I do want to say thank you, Michelle, for coming on the podcast and joining us here on Nurses Uncorked. We really, really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. I've been looking, I've been looking forward to this for a while. So brief synopsis, and we'll get into more detail, but for those that aren't familiar, back in 2019, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, at the Forsyth County Jail, there was an inmate, 56 years old, by the name of John Neville, who was in jail on a misdemeanor charge. Uh, At one point, he fell out of his top bunk bed and was exhibiting seizure-like symptoms. Uh, Medical staff and the correctional officers were called to the cell. Five correctional officers, we might refer to them as COs during the podcast, and Michelle, a correctional nurse, responded. They went to the cell, and a lot of things transpired. Uh, I believe it it went on for maybe 40 minutes or more, um, and we'll get into some of that. But um, ultimately... The uh, six of you were uh, charged with involuntary manslaughter because John Neville was eventually taken to the hospital and died two days later. I believe they said the cause of death was positional asphyxiation at that time. And uh, you were charged with involuntary manslaughter um, by, by some inexplicable course of events. Um, it went before the grand jury. And for those that don't know. The grand jury is not a typical jury, so this isn't the trial. Their job is solely to decide if there's enough evidence to move forward and if the the people in question should be indicted or not. And so this grand jury in their air quotes, infinite wisdom, decided not to indict a single one of the correctional officers and only to indict the nurse. Michelle, despite the fact that she was the only one who tried to help, the only, she was not participating in any restraining of this inmate and was, in fact, the one that initiated CPR, and we'll get into all of that. But I'm sure that will ring a bell now with some of you. But thank you, Michelle, for coming on the podcast and for trusting us with your story. I am so excited to finally talk to you in, in person. We've spoken a few times, but this this is much better. Thank you for being here. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your background as a nurse and what drew you to correctional nursing? My entire nursing career, the idea of being able to help a portion of the population that doesn't necessarily receive medical care like they should really drew me. You know, you think about the, the, the individuals that are in jails or prisons, a good portion of them don't receive regular medical care because they either can't afford it or it's just not available to them for whatever reason. That, that appealed to me. I get to help people. You're an RN? Yeah? Correct. Yes. yes. How long have you been a nurse? Now, 11 years I think about that. (laughs) I forget. That's how you know you've been a nurse a long time. (laughs) You've got to think about it. How is, how would you describe correctional nursing as being uh, different from typical nursing? Like, uh, I mean, for you, obviously it's going to be common sense, but I think for most people that have never uh, worked in correctional nursing, um, we're used to being able to respond immediately to things or 
you know, um, be able to assess, run in a room. Um, can you kind of take us through a little bit of like a, a typical day and how how is it that you get to your uh, the inmates or patients? Like just kind of take us briefly through that a little bit. Well, there's different portions to it because you have the the daily provider type stuff, your 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 visits with the NP, your visits with the doctor, any of your blood draws and stuff like that. And in that case, you uh, will give your officers lists of people that you need to see that day, and they will bring them down to you in the clinic, in the doctor's office. Um, we also have portions of it, like for med passes, um, we go to them on their floors with carts and do their med passes there. Um, in the case of like emergencies, um, we are called to them, to the room by the officers. We are let the officers let us know when there's a problem and we go to the, uh, to the room that they were told. And then we have to be let into the room by the officers and the officers are with us the whole time. We're never left alone with an inmate. All right. So I would think that, uh, that would be one of the major differences with correctional nursing versus any other kind of nursing. You know, if there's, for example, a code situation, we as nurses often are running the code. We are going to be the first one to run in the room and start barking orders unless there happens to be a physician there. Um, but for you, in your case, you, you have to have permission essentially, or be granted access to do anything physical to come in contact with an inmate, right? Essentially, yes. Um, I mean, the, you have to be let into the room, but once you're in the room, I mean, you're in charge to a point, um, but it is always security first. Security worries about my safety, their safety, the inmate safety, um, any other inmates around safety. It's, um, it's a little bit different uh, in regards to that. We don't just run to the door and open it. It has to be open for us and there has to yeah. be an officer in the room with us at all times. That's a whole different mindset. Honestly, what, what drew you to correctional nursing? What do you really enjoy about it the most? Helping people that don't get the help they need outside. Um, there's been a few, I've had a few inmates where they were actually diagnosed in jail with um, a chronic care issue that they either didn't know they had or, uh, were told that they had, but were not told how to properly take care of it. They didn't get the, the education that they needed. And we are able to do more on more one-on-one -on -one with them in regards to their education and their chronic diseases and how to treat them better and how to prolong and improve their health that they, they didn't get on the street because they didn't have the chance to. Yeah, that, that must be rewarding. And uh, yeah, your patient population, often this is the first time they're getting any care. Yeah. So that must be really rewarding when you catch something or diagnose something like that and start the treatment and see them turn around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a good example is we had a young man. He was less than 30. Uh, he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes by us. Wow how he was feeling and things that were going on with his body. And he was complaining, you know, coming down for doctor's office visits and whatnot. And we finally, <laughs> let, let, let's, let's do a blood work on you. And we got his A1C back and he was over 17. Ooh. Yikes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. When we got those results back, we were like, hi, yeah, you need to, you need to come down and see us. <laughs> we need to start you on some treatment. But uh, <laughs> when we gave him, yeah. When we gave him the list of symptoms, he was like, but I always feel like that. I always have that. I, I, I've always felt like that. I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we were able to get him diagnosed and get him treated. And before he left, he, uh, his A1C was down to 7.2. Oh, wow. That's great. That's awesome. Yay. He probably felt better. That made sure. us feel good. Uh, made, made us feel good. Made him feel good. You know, he's like, I, uh, six months later, he's like, I've never felt this good in my life. This is awesome. <laughs> And for him, um, it wasn't he, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> for, for him, it wasn't that um, he couldn't go to the doctor. It's he didn't. Mm. He didn't realize that wasn't normal. Mm. Just, I'm getting older. I'm not 18 years old. I'm not 10 feet tall and bulletproof no more. So right. this is just a fact of getting older. It's like, no, you're sick. Yeah, we're going to fix that. You're going to feel better. Yeah. 
Street. That felt good. Can you take us back to that day in 2019 and you were the correctional nurse there at Forsyth County Jail? And can you can you kind of tell us in your recollection how this played out? Uh, sure. Um, normal overnight shift, uh, you know, did my normal med pass like I do, uh, took care of um, any of my detoxers, any of my uh, my normal everyday stuff and had a call over the radio for a charge call to this particular room, get down there, get let in and get told that uh, his roommate said that he fell off his bunk and he thinks he was having a seizure. It wit was not witnessed by myself, medical staff, or officers. By the time the officers got there, he was just laying on the floor. Um, let me in, started doing assessment. <clears throat> he was at the, when we first got in there, he was almost like sleeping. He was breathing, he was moving, but he was uh, sleeping. Um, wouldn't, wasn't responding at first to verbal commands. Um, did a sternal rub on him and he popped his eyes open. Sternal rubs hurt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was, uh, for lack of better description, he was post-ictal. Mm -hmm. He was confused about where he was, what was going on, um, and you know, trying to calm him down. And then he basically closed his eyes and stopped responding. So we did another sternal rub on him, got him to wake up. Um, a lot of details in there. Uh, tried to get a set of vitals on him. Uh, that was not possible. He um, started fighting back. Mm. And anyone who's ever tried using a manual BP cuff, if they're flexing their arm, you aren't getting an accurate reading. Right. And he's a big guy too. So, but he started fighting, and no amount of trying to talk to him, trying to calm him down, he was just fighting. And um, so they started to restrain him, which made him fight more. And eventually, um, he tried to bite one of the officers. So they put a spit mask on him so that he couldn't bite them. Okay. And when he started to get really rambunctious, I was asked to leave the room. Again, security first. is right. always security first. So they asked me to leave the room. I stepped out of the room. They tried restraining him. Um, ended up putting uh, shackles on him, you know, handcuffs and feet cuffs. Got him calmed down enough, uh, but still he was not, he was responding, but he was confused. Uh, they decided to uh, get him up and move him to uh, another room where he's by himself. There's no other, no roommates or anything like that. Um, nothing to really, that he could hurt himself on. It's called a, a single cell. Uh, they got him to stand up and he walked over to, the uh, restraint chair. They got him into the restraint chair, down to the floor where the single cells are, and they have what they uh, like a general room uh, for classes and stuff like that. But they also have uh, room for us to do any like medical stuff that we need to do, wound cares and all that stuff. And again, you know, identified myself to him, tried to explain what was going on, uh, attempted to get another set of vitals on him or get a set of vitals. Sorry. And um, as soon as the blood pressure cuff started inflating, he started fighting. And mm. I just couldn't get, just couldn't get vitals on him. And again, the whole time trying to explain to him what was going on, you know, officers talking to him, and he just, I don't know if he wouldn't listen or couldn't. Right. I'm still not sure. Um, so they brought him over to the single cell, and they do their method of getting them into the cell, especially when he's combative, wearing a bite mask because he tried to bite one of the officers. Um, when they attempted to get the handcuffs off of him, the key broke in it. So they had to get perfect storm bolt cutters, which we are just giant mess. Uh, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. They don't obviously keep bolt cutters right there next to the cell. So we had to wait for the bolt cutters wow. to be brought up. They weren't big enough, strong enough, whatever. So they had to wait for another set to be brought up to get cut out of. In the meantime, um, he is restrained uh, and they do restrain 
prone on the stomach. Um, at, for most of it, he was fighting the, the officers and the hold, uh, yelling. Um, but he eventually stopped fighting, so they were able to relax a little bit off of him. Uh, they weren't holding him as tight kind of thing. Uh, they were able to get the cuffs off of him. They got the, the shackles off of him. Um, and then they backed out of the room and closed the door. This is, this is what happens when you move to single cell. You give them a couple of minutes to calm down, and then you're allowed to go back in. Okay. Uh, I, went, I went to the door, and I couldn't tell if he was breathing or not. I couldn't see through the glass if he was breathing or not. So I told them. We went back in, realized he was not breathing, couldn't get a heart rate, and we started CPR and AED and calling EMS and all that. And it felt like a lot longer than it really was, but um, yeah. we were able to get his heart rate back in the facility, um, and then he was transported to the hospital, and I found out that uh, he, uh, they worked on him for a while. Uh, they were able to stabilize him, uh, but then two days later, uh, they disconnected life support for him because he was brain dead, from what I understand. A few months later, I was contacted uh, by the SBI, uh, State Bureau of Investigation. Anytime there's a, a death in a facility, uh, the facility is investigated by an outside source, which is the SBI. Um, so he took my, my statement. Uh, over the phone. At that point, I was no longer in North Carolina. I was at my next contract as a travel nurse. And then a few months later, I got a phone call telling me that uh, I had charges. Me and five officers had charges for involuntary manslaughter. And your life changed. Did you have any, yeah, I was going to say, did, were you worried that something like that would happen or that was never in the back of your mind? Never in the back of my mind. Yeah, like most nurses. Yeah, we we never would think that would would happen to us because obviously things happen. People people pass away, and and when you're not doing something of malintent, you never would imagine that you would be charged. Yeah. No, as a matter of fact, when I spoke to the SBI officer, um, I was told that they were just doing their normal investigation. It was never stated that they were investigating for the intent of charging anybody. It was just they were doing their investigation because of death in the facility. A big part of this case, in my opinion, was uh, the restraining of him uh, being in a prone position. For those that don't know, that is face down. Um, and it was very, again, my opinion, um, reminiscent of George Floyd and, and things like that that we have seen. Uh, as you had no part of the restraining of him whatsoever. That was just the uh, correctional officers. And eventually, uh, the sheriff, actually, I read, ended up banning the bent leg prone restraint, which is what the position or maneuver that was used on him um, as a result of this. And I think that that is very telling. Um, Do you have any opinions of the way that he was restrained or the way that that was handled? Uh, first, let me say that uh, everyone has seen the video of George Floyd. Uh, he had an yes. officer with his knee on his neck. Right. It is not like that in jails or prisons. It's it's not supposed, nothing is on the neck. There is never anything on the neck. He was restrained uh, at the arms um, and at the legs. Uh, yes, his legs they fold them up at the knee and they press them towards the buttocks and then someone holds that. It helps limit their movement from kicking somebody um, and from getting up and hurting somebody. Uh, I don't really have an opinion on the holds because I am not versed in the holds. I am not versed in trying to restrain somebody, especially somebody of his size. So I... I don't have an opinion okay. <laughs> on on what officers are trained okay. to do. I mean, yeah. that's what they do. They know better than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any interaction with John prior yeah. to this day? Had you seen him? And... No. no. Okay. Nope. 
I heard he had a history of asthma, so I didn't know if, I mean, at least that's what I've read online, that I didn't know if he had had to come in, you know, to see you guys or see, get a checkup or something. I mean, he hadn't been there that long though. I don't think. Um, so I don't know how long it takes to get those things um, situated, but. When they come in through intake, we do a medical intake as well, where we ask them, you know, prior medical history, any medications that they're on and that sort of stuff. So that would have been covered um, then. And if he needed to have like a daily treatment or a NEB treatment or something like that, it would have been entered then. Um, if he had problems while he was there, he would have uh, basically put in what we call a sick call to see a nurse to have um, his stuff updated, added to whatever. Um, but yeah, no, he hadn't been there very long. He had been there okay. less than 48 hours. Part of the indictment was that his civil rights were violated uh, because medical conditions were ignored. That, that is what they claimed. Um, and I think that that might be goes back to the history of asthma. I'm not not really sure, but uh, it it kind of seemed when you watch the videos. And I, I want to say I don't recommend that anybody go and watch these videos. They are they are pretty tough to watch. Uh, they're they're lengthy. They're broken up into different parts, and and it's not easy to watch. So I, I don't recommend it. But they are out there if if you do want to see it. Um, but it almost at one point seemed kind of like an air hunger to me, you know, in the beginning he is, he's answering, he's, he's definitely like somewhat communicating. I mean, not a great deal. Um, he's making sounds and then eventually he stops making sounds and stops responding. And did you get that impression at all of like an air hunger or were you worried about airway or any of that? Yeah, from where I was, uh, especially once he was actually moved to the single cell, I couldn't see him. I physically could not put eyes on him because it is a small room and there was already five officers in there with him. Um, so at that point, I am relying on my officers who are first responder trained to let me know if there's a problem because I can't necessarily hear what's going on you're in a loud jail that echoes and there's a lot of inmates in there who when they see things going on can make a lot of noise so i can't necessarily hear what's going on i can't see what's going on at that point i am relying on my officers who are first responder trained to let me know if there's a problem that's a good point they're first responder trained i never thought of that they are and you are you are forced to leave the cell you can see that on the video that you are outside the cell um, watching through the window as much as you can, but it, it's not an easy view. You know, it's obscured, it's far away. You can't really see, you can't do a proper assessment from the window outside the door, right? Uh, no, <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, when, when all of this is going on, you know, not only do you have the officers in the room, you have an officer standing just outside of the door with a video camera. So all the officers have body cams, but they're also videotaping outside of the room to get an overall view. So no, I cannot see him at all. I am relying on my officers to tell me this. Uh, and uh, quite I, honestly, I watched, when he stopped- I was going to say, I watched yesterday. It, it was a 20-minute clip that I watched. And in that 20-minute clip, I don't, you don't come into the scene at all, I think, until the last few minutes of that 20-minute clip, you know? Um, and it, it like uh, Erica was saying, it, it it is a very hard video to watch um, because, you know, I think that's why we I felt it was important to bring up the differences between correctional nursing versus typical nursing in the hospital. Um, you know, you you feel like your instinct is like more intervention, like assessment, but the ability to assess can't really be done until this inmate is at a point that he's not a threat anymore to, or he's not combative. He's not, you know, trying to, to get away. Um, so, Correct. you know, I found it not shocking, but I'm like the actual nurse couldn't even get in there to physically see him or lay eyes on him. And when you did, it was very brief. Um, and then, 
you could, I, I saw the part where they shut the door and you're at the window and your eyes never left the window. Like you were looking. And I think at that point you were really maybe starting to get a feel of something's not right here. Like I'm, cause Correct. I, it's not like you looked at the window and you walked away. I mean, you were, your eyes were fixed in the window the entire time. Um, but it's just, it, like Erica said, it's a very hard video to watch. Um, and it definitely, um, but it's just a whole different ball game. It's a whole different thing than what, than what we're used to, you know, but I mean, it's a different I, world. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, I think you were saying earlier about George Floyd, and I think the comparison may come in because of the, the words he uttered. I can't breathe. I, you know, you, you hear him, him say that, you know, and we are trained if you're talking, you're breathing, you know, like. If you're yelling, you're breathing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're that, talking in complete whole sentences, you're yelling at me, you're swearing at me, you're breathing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you were watching from the it window just, and eventually you said, I don't see him breathing. And you had to wait to be let back in the cell. You had to basically be granted permission. Um, and you went in and you listened to him with a stethoscope. Um and eventually you said, you know, there's, there's no heart rate. You call for an AED for a code essentially. And you started compressions. Uh, you were the only one there administering any kind of medical care interventions assessment, really. Um, is, is there anything? Well, one correction on that. Sure. Is that, um, the, again, the officers are first responder trained. So while I was doing compressions, another officer was handling the um, the Ambu bag, giving mm -hmm. breaths, helping me with counting. Um, and there was officers there that could jump in if I got too tired to perform CPR. Okay. So good to point out. Thank you. It wasn't all by myself, but it was by myself. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think the point I was trying to make is that you initiated the the medical care. You are the one that recognized there was an issue and started to do something about it. Um, in retrospect now, is there anything that you feel like you wish you had done differently, that you could have done differently? There's always something you wish you did different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but ultimately, in this case, there really, there really wasn't anything that I could change, unfortunately. Yeah. So after this happened, you, you kept working, right? How long did the investigation go on? Or, or did you keep working? Were you let go from this position? No. Um, at the, the long story short, uh, I'm a travel nurse for WellPath. Um, I started out with WellPath as a, a, a site nurse at a facility in Massachusetts because that's where I lived. Uh, and then I became a travel nurse where I go to WellPath facilities as a travel nurse. So I already know like the computer system and all that stuff. I just need to learn each uh, site's individual preferences and what have you, how they run. Um, I was working uh, at another facility in the area uh, and I was asked to come in and cover a shift because I was listed as like a per diem nurse for this facility because I was working in the area. I was covering a shift for somebody else that night. I did not know that. Oh my goodness. I did not like know that. that. Wow. That's just like added insult to not, injury. You weren't even supposed to be there. Yeah. And the nurse that I was covering for, uh, when everything was said and done, I got a phone call from her. Oh my God. <laughs> but uh, yes, I was, I was covering for somebody else that night. Um, I, and wow. anytime that there is a death in a facility, um, every facility and my company does what they call a mortality review. They, uh, all the higher ups from the facility and from the medical get together and they go over everything. They go over the like an M&M. &M. They go over all the medical doc. Yes. Um, they go over, um, all of my documentation, all of the officer's documentation, everything. And they do that within 30 days of a death in a facility to make sure that 
we didn't do anything wrong. Um, I was cleared by my company uh, during no mortality review, long before the charges ever came out. But this happened in December of 2019, and the charges came through uh, the end of June, beginning of July of 2020, so six months later. What was the response that you got from uh, the public, from social media, from news outlets? Like, was it intense? Was it more than you thought it would be? Was it something you were uncomfortable with or were people supportive? Um, can you elaborate on that it, a little bit? I guess it depends on which aspect you're talking about. Uh, social media wise, um, I shut everything down. Okay. Um, yeah, soon, you did. I, I can attest charged, to that because um, I couldn't find you. <laughs> No, uh, that was the very first thing my lawyers told me to do. Shut down your social media, disappear. I, you do not want to deal with any of the backlash. So I, I shut down my Facebook. I shut down my Instagram. I shut down everything. Um, I cut okay, so you didn't, ha- you weren't seeing that kind of stuff. Like somebody trying to make a comment on your Facebook page or that, that kind of thing. No, um, it was, I was not seeing it. Um, I had my circle of family and friends were watching all of that for me. Um, I have some very good, very, 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 very good support system. And uh, they were all watching it for me. Uh, But in regards to, I still kept an eye on Google yourself, see what pops up first. Yeah. It's ugly. Yeah. (laughs) Most of the public was either completely behind me especially nurses. Oh my mm. God, nurses. You guys were feral. <laughs> um, they were either completely behind me. <laughs> they were either completely behind me or like behind me because they didn't think I did anything wrong, but they didn't understand everything. Or uh, they would make comments uh, like, oh, well, she should have done this. She should have done that. Why didn't she do this? And And then somebody else would jump in and again, Tell me you don't work in correctional nursing with telling right. me you don't work in correctional nursing. So, um, but the vast majority of the social media part of it was uh, supportive. Um, there were a few not nice comments, but they weren't really like lashing out at me per se. But again, I, I canceled myself off social media, so I wasn't there to get it. Uh, news nurses outlets. were pissed. There were some protests. I think oh. most nurses were really supportive of you and very angry that not only that a nurse was being charged, but that you were the only one that was being charged. Um, there was there was a lot of support that for you, I can tell you, in the nursing the community. Yes, there was. That's where a lot of the anger came from, was the fact that when push came to shove, I was the only one indicted not the officers who were holding him. That's where a, a vast majority of the anger came from. Which, How, I, how do you feel about that? Too, Are so. you angry? <laughs> what was your reaction when you were the only one indicted? Um, there was, if I was being taped, there would have been a lot of bleeps. Yeah, I'm sure. There, yeah. was, there was a lot of anger. Uh, there's still a lot of anger. Uh, trying to work through it. <laughs> and what was the rationale for that? Because you were the actual nurse, you were the registered nurse. I mean, is that the reasoning? Like, why did they only select you? It doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't know. I've never had that question answered. I, I've heard, tell me if That's this crazy. is correct, that North Carolina is um, a state that is known to be a little untrusting of the medical profession, really more kind of supportive of law enforcement. Would you say that that's true or played a part? I honestly don't know. Um, For the most part, like my position was a little bit different than most of the medical staff there. Because again, I'm a travel nurse. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm not there for years and years and years. I'm only there for uh, a couple of months. so I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't see that. It wasn't directed at me. So I'm not really sure if I can answer that question. Yeah. yeah um, the day that you found out you were being charged, 
Can you can you tell us a little bit about the emotions of that day? I cannot even imagine. Uh, wow, uh, the emotions of that day. One, the first one was um, shock, because uh, I was <laughs> I was actually in the drive-through getting my lunch uh, when I uh, found out, and the poor lady at the drive-through window. Oh, that poor lady. <laughs> I feel so bad for her. I think I scared her because the person who told me about it, I might have screened some expletives and I was at the window. She was giving me my food. Yeah. I think she might've thrown it at me. I bet you weren't (laughs) hungry anymore. I can tell you that. Uh, No, no. Uh, As a matter of fact, I can tell you that um, the next day, my lunch that was still sitting on my passenger seat got tossed in the trash. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I, the biggest thing for me at that point uh, was, I work in a jail. I've just been told that there's a warrant for my arrest in another state. Yeah. I work in a jail. There's yeah. a warrant for my arrest. Uh-huh. That's... I can't go back to work. Right. I, I don't I think anybody would have thought of that. Yeah. That's a very precarious position to be I in. Did. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, um, I was in Virginia. And the warrant was in North Carolina, so it hadn't come through in the two hours from when it had been posted. But yeah, I sat in the parking lot. I'm supposed to be on a half-hour lunch. I was out there for an hour and 15 minutes waiting to get a hold of my boss back at corporate going, and what, what's going on? And do I go back into work to clock out and get my stuff? Or what do I do? <laughs> but um, eventually, uh, I went into the facility uh, and grabbed my... Uh, my HSA and my director of nursing and said, Oh, I got to go. Um, I can't be here. I got, I got to go. They're like, why? I'm like, I'm being charged criminally with involuntary manslaughter. And they both went, Oh, you need to get out of here. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah uh, clocked out, packed my stuff and went back to the hotel. And I honestly could not tell you about the trip from the jail to my hotel. I, I don't remember a single second of the scenery when I was driving because I had to get my husband on the phone who was in Massachusetts. I was in Virginia. My husband's in Massachusetts. And I had to call him. And what was his reaction to all of this? Uh, Shocked silence at first. Because at first, when he first picked up the phone, um, he realized it was me, obviously caller ID. Um, He couldn't understand what I was saying. I was was crying too hard. Right. I was crying too hard. I I said, I don't, I don't know what I'm, don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, got me to calm down enough that I could tell him what was going on, um, as far as I knew. And, uh, yeah, go back that to the hotel. must have been terrifying. I can't imagine. I can't imagine it either. I, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and I, I, I can't imagine what that feeling, it, it must feel helpless. Like, like literally helpless. Like there's, what, a, what, what am I, I going to do? do? Right. What do I do? <laughs> What do I do? How do I get out of this hole that I am suddenly in? Yeah. Well, and how do I, as a nurse, end up being the criminal in this situation? You know, we go into nursing to help, right? This this shouldn't be a criminal issue. Right. I, you know, it's so many aspects to wrap your head around. Honestly, uh, I never in a million years ever thought that I would be arrested for doing my job. So yeah, this was all new territory and I had no stomach. It basically fell out my feet and my stomach was gone. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately, I work for an absolutely amazing company and uh, tell us about that. Two hours. They had already hired my, they'd already hired my lawyer for me within two hours. Amazing. This is Wellpath and they're a third party a company that prisons, jails, and I think locked psych units will con- they contract with them to bring in um, medical staff for these correctional facilities, right? Correct. Years and years and years ago, every facility was either run by city, state, county, however you want to look at it, and they had their own medical staff. Um, over the years, they have decided that private contractors were more cost effective for them. So they would hire companies like WellPath who would bring in their own medical staff. And yeah, they provide all their medical for them. And they paid for your entire defense. Yes, absolutely everything. 
That is incredible. That is not typical. That is not typical at all. I mean, they actually, um, they have a contract with a a local uh, law office that handles uh, any of their smaller stuff, civil stuff. Um, And they, uh, they basically called them and said, who do you recommend for criminal? Uh, Give me your top five. Wow. Um, She gave him the top five and she flat out told him, "Um, here's my top five. Obviously you want number one period and all be all. That's who you want. They called him and they said, yeah, we can take on the case. No problem. Within two hours, I had a criminal defense team that the, the absolute best in North Carolina, absolute best. Wow. And not only did they pay for your defense, they kept you on the payroll, right? Because you eventually had to temporarily surrender your nursing license. So you could not work as a nurse, but they kept you on the payroll doing non-clinical jobs, right? Correct. Absolutely. Yep. Amazing. What a great company. um, Yeah. And again, it goes back to the mortality review that they do themselves they had already cleared me in January. So when all this came around, they were like, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't agree with this. This is wrong. This is bull crap. Uh, we stand behind you 100%. You are not facing this alone. Um, we're hiring your attorneys. We will get you the best defense team that we can find. And you will not have to worry about your paycheck. You will not mm-hmm. lose your home. You will not lose your car. You will not be on the street with nothing. Uh, yeah, they absolutely stood behind me 100%. And even to this day, they're still, okay, so what are we doing? <laughs> absolutely amazing company to work for. How long were you out of your nursing role? Like, how long did that last? I'm still out of it right now. I'm still waiting for all my licenses to finish clearing up. Oh, wow. That's a so long period of time. Um, all together, it was... I was charged in July of 2020. Um, my last day on the floor was the day I was charged. Um, then I had to do, I did temporary voluntary suspension of license pending criminal trials for um, all the states that I had a license in because Massachusetts is not a compact state. So any state that I went to, I had to have a license by endorsement for my mass license. I've got my mass cleared up. I've got my North Carolina cleared up. I've got to get my Virginia cleared up before I can switch to uh, North Carolina compact. So were you asked by the Board of Nursing to voluntarily surrender your license? Uh, That was an agreement that my civil attorney and their attorney came to. Um, That way... They needed to do their investigation from the charges, and they couldn't do an investigation until the criminal trial was done, because that could impact my criminal trial. So they did, Mm -hmm. uh, both of them agreed to um, temporary suspension pending the criminal trial. What was that like, having to give up your license? I can't imagine. Um, You ever been kicked in the face? That's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Being told that everything that you have worked so hard for, blood, sweat, tears. Yeah, we're taking that away from you. You can't do that no more. And we don't know how long you're not going to be able to do that for, if you'll ever be able to do that again. You know, I think if you had ripped my heart out of my chest, it would have hurt less. Yeah, it's got to feel like a sucker punch. Yeah, exactly. I've... I felt like um, a nuclear weapon had been dropped in the middle Mm -hmm. of my life and exploded. Yeah. Do you, um, did you know much about Redonda's case when this happened to you? Had you heard about it? Were you following it or? No, No, I I didn't. Do you feel like you're in a club? I know that sounds horrible, but when I think (laughs) about, when I think about, Redonda, the next image I think about you, and then I think about, um, is it Christina or Christine? Christiane Ganey. The other, yes, Christiane. I, those three faces come to mind to me. Like, have you ever talked with any of these 
girls or had any contact with them oh, because I, I of the circumstances story. that have happened. I have not this, spoken to Christiane Gain. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but I this, take it maybe Redonda you have. I want to hear this. Yeah. So uh, this, this all kind of wrapped up right before Redonda and I went on the Costa Rica trip that we co-hosted. Uh, and so Redonda and I are in the hotel the I first think it day. it was like we, the day before. Yeah, like right before. Yeah. Um, so the day before all the travelers mm -hmm. arrived, Redonda and I are in the hotel and we're just talking. And I, I mentioned Michelle and I'm like, did you hear about the outcome of her case? Which we'll, we'll come back to. And she had not heard. And I told her and she started to cry, immediately started to Aww. cry. And she's like, do you have her number? And I'm like, yeah. So they start texting, then they get on the phone. And it, it was, it was just like a, a beautiful thing to watch. And Redonda was so happy for you. Like, honestly, that was one of the highlights of the trip for me, even though it had nothing to do with the trip, getting to see that it, it was amazing. And it is kind of this, like, who else would understand what that's like? No one. You know, there's only a handful, right? I didn't even, I didn't know that, but I would assume it, it has to be like an immediate, like bond with somebody because it's like, you can't understand what it's like to go through that unless you've gone through it. And you're finally talking to the one person that understands what you've gone through, you know? Um, but was there, was there yeah. some comfort in that, like in being able to talk to somebody that got it? Like. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not the only one out there. You're not all by your little lonesome. Um, it is a crappy club to be a part of. But... Yeah. It's not one you want to join, but. <laughs> I do not want to be president of that club. Do not recommend. <laughs> There's you a know... few things that have been kicked off my bucket list because of this case. So. <laughs> I would love to plan something one day. Um, I don't know how feasible or, or weird this is, but God, I would love to plan something that, that had this, this club of, you know, unfortunate members, right? You, Redonda, um, Julie Tao back in the day, who was the first nurse criminally charged, um, you know, yeah, and like have some kind of a forum. I recommend yeah, I highly recommend that we don't get together anywhere near a police station, though. <laughs> right? I mean, that there. <laughs> it, it, it's just crazy that nurses are being criminally charged and, you know, not, not doctors. We don't see them being criminally charged. It's just nurse after nurse after nurse. I mean, do you, do you have an opinion on that? This, and it this was just what I call a, a witch hunt? It was, just all, it was just all of a sudden, you know, two yeah. years ago, we were heroes. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, oh, wait, no, no, no. This nurse did this and this nurse did this and this one's being charged with this. It's like all of a sudden we were being attacked. And I mean, I don't, I wish it hadn't been me, but at the same time, I think of some of the nurses it could have been. Um, and I don't think they would have gotten through it as well because they don't have enough of a support system like I do. Um, so as, as weird as it sounds, I'm glad it was me and not somebody else that I work with. Mm -hmm. how, do, how, how do you tell a nurse, somebody who has worked, you know, did the four years of school plus all the clinicals, plus this, plus that, you know, you're working, you know, 12 hour shifts, 14 hour shifts, 16 hour shifts, you know, three to five to seven days a week for however long. Oh, wait, here comes COVID. You know, now you have to wear a mask and you have to wear an N95 and you have to wear this and you got to do this and you can't touch this one. And oh, yeah, now we're going to take away your livelihood. We're going to take away your license. We're going to tell you you can't be a nurse no more. Uh, there's a few people that I know personally would not be able to handle that. And you, you were yeah, facing up to years. 15 years in prison, correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. so I think the max on it was like seven to 10. Oh, okay. That must have been absolutely and, terrifying. Yeah. And you of all people know what prison is like, like that is even a completely, 
crazy perspective, yeah. like, because you already know. I mean, did you, was there any point that you visualized if this is what it's like? Because we've talked with Redonda about this. Like, she um, said that if she did serve time, she was going to make the best out of it. She said, I was going to go, I, she was trying to envision what her life would be like if that happened. Like, she was going to try to befriend <laughs> the inmates and, Write and do gardening. And she, <laughs> she had all of these mental plans already because she was trying to prepare herself. Did you ever feel like, did you put yourself in those shoes or did you try not to think about it? Um, I didn't get as far as, you know, if I go to prison, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I think it stayed at, holy shit, I could go to prison. Yeah. Um, I didn't get beyond that mentally because I, I couldn't. I had to get through today, and then I got to get through tomorrow, and I got to get through this and that. And uh, again, I had an awesome legal team. Um, they helped me tremendously. You know, if I woke up at three o'clock in the morning from a horrible nightmare, I could call my lawyer and go, "Dude, talk me down off the ledge." Yeah, they were there for me. So you know, but I also had you know my. Family. What was your attorney's husband, name? We should give them a shout out. It was, uh, his name is James Comey. He was the, the head, but I also had Claire Rauscher and uh, Ripley Rand. Okay. From, um, yeah, it was a Womble Bond, a Womble okay. Bond out of Womble. North Carolina. Um, okay. You, you ever need a criminal attorney? That's who you That's want. That's the one. They are phenomenal. You mentioned yeah. shutting down your social media on your um, attorney's advice. And I, I have to tell you, you know, because we've talked about it, but you went radio silent, not not just radio silent. You like dropped off the face of the earth because I tried for so long to find you. I, I scoured social media. I tried to find any contact information. I even emailed your attorneys, which I now know you knew about at the time, but nobody responded. <laughs> And then fast forward till what, like September of last year, um, this is over two years after you're indicted, um, I, I get a, a random message from someone. And before I know it, you and I are on the phone and you are sharing amazing news with me. So can you tell everyone what ultimately ended up happening? Uh -huh. With the civil or the criminal? Well, let's start with civil. Okay. Uh, because you got to remember, I was fighting both at the same time. Wow. Yeah. About two years, just before the two-year mark uh, in, I think it was September or October of 2021, the family filed a civil lawsuit against, uh, I think there was 10 of us listed, uh, myself, Wellpath, um, the officers, the sheriff, the county, the state, um, all that. Uh, ultimately, there's like 10 of us, I believe, in it. Um, the And we were kind of separate because like uh, Wellpath and I had our own attorney and then they had their attorney for the city and the county and all that. They settled. And we tried to settle in the very beginning and they wouldn't accept our offer and they wouldn't negotiate with us. So we actually ended up doing deposition, which again, off my bucket list. I never want to do a deposition ever, ever, ever again. Can, can you talk about that for a minute? Because I don't think nurses understand how important and how scary a deposition is. Can you talk about that for a minute? Uh, a deposition, uh, you are sitting at the head of the table and directly in front of you is a camera. And then on one side is uh, your attorney and anybody that they have for themselves. And on the other side is the opposing counsel and anybody they have on their side, like the, their, their client. Uh, and basically you are asked questions from both sides and the whole, and everything is videotaped. It's right on your face the whole time so that they have a video that they can go back to and uh, read read into what you don't say, uh, read your facial expressions, read your hand motions, which I talk with my hands. So that was horrible. <laughs> I almost had to sit on my hands. You know, there could be a long time between a deposition and it going to trial. And so maybe you don't remember that you said something a certain way 
three years ago in a deposition. And they will, when you're now on the stand, they will, you know, just latch on to that and say, well, that's not what you said in your deposition. Yep. Allow me to remind you on page, you know, 347 here, you actually, you know, they will use your own words against oh you. It's a big Absolutely. deal. Absolutely. They'll, they will use your body language against you too. I did the deposition. I was told that they were going to be bringing in the officers for depositions. They were also going to be bringing in uh, two higher ups from uh, one from my facility, from Wellpath, uh, one of the doctors, regional, uh, to give their ver their side of it, what they see for correctional nursing versus regular nursing and all that for their expert opinion. And uh, they actually ended up settling out of court before anybody else had to give a deposition. Uh, my name was removed from it. Uh, I was not found liable. Um, it was, uh, transitioned over to just WellPath, uh, paid the uh, settlement. So my name was removed from it completely. Is it public how much the settlement oh, was? That was? No. No? Okay. No, they, okay. Signed, uh, they signed a non-disclosure. They could not <laughs> reveal it. If they reveal how much it was, they have to give it back. Mm. Okay. Okay. And I can tell you that it was less than what the officers, well, the other group which was the officers, the sheriff, the city, the county, all of that. They were all lumped in together on one, um, and ours was less than theirs. And so then what about the criminal case? What ended up happening with that? The civil trial finished. They settled. All the paperwork got filed. Um, I guess at one point, uh, the lawyers from the civil trial did reach out to the district attorney and basically told him, you know, the civil has been settled. The family wants nothing to do with this nurse going on trial. They want nothing to do with it. They don't see the point of it. Good. You know, justice has been served as far as they're concerned. Um, and so he dropped the charges. Amazing. They were all dismissed against you. A, I got a random phone call on a Thursday afternoon from my attorney saying, hey, so uh, by the way, they dropped the charges. We were like, what? Oh I my God. Went, uh, I, I, I did the, huh? <laughs> He's like, yeah, so uh, they, uh, the district attorney dropped the charges. I'm like, so I don't got to go, I don't got to go to court. I don't got to go to trial. I don't, I don't get it. I can have my life back. He's like, you can have your life back. What? Okay. I need to go out with a bottle because holy crap. <laughs> were you in the drive-thru, Michelle, at this point? <laughs> no, fortunately I was in my kitchen at that point. I think I was cooking lunch. <laughs> I, I might have dropped my spatula though, so. But what a different phone call from the first phone call, you know? Just a, uh, a, a honestly, shock, but a good shock. Yeah. Yeah. The same level of shock, I think. I think they balance each other out. Three years of hell that they put you through to get to that outcome. <sighs> yeah. It was actually more than three years. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was charged in July and the charges were dropped in. Was it November? September. 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 Yeah, it was a little <laughs> bit over three years. Have you ever spoken with the family, Michelle? Or no? no. His family? No. No. Mm -mm. Uh, the son, who was the head of the, the civil suit, was in my deposition, but I did not speak to him. I was mm. told not to. Where, where are you at with your license now? How, how much longer do you think until... This will finally be resolved and you can get back to working as a nurse. Technically, as of right now, I can work in Massachusetts and North Carolina. Um, okay. I'm waiting for Virginia to uh, finish their investigation on my disciplinary. Uh, once that is squared away, then I can get my compact license in North Carolina and I can go back to work in is it 41 different states now. Okay. And are you excited or nervous there. to go back to work? Yes. <laughs> Both. All of it. Fair. <laughs> you, I, for me, I know I have that little voice in the back of my head. Everyone's got it. Some are louder than others. Um, can you go back to working on the floor? Can you go back into that scenario and possibly have this happen again? I don't know yet.
find out. <laughs> yeah. After everything you've been through, would you recommend correctional nursing? And would you recommend nursing in general to up and coming <laughs> nurses, students? Yes. Really? Because ultimately, yeah, um, it's a scary job. Don't get me wrong. It is a yeah. scary job. But so is walking out your front door. You can get hit by a bus rocking down the street. Yeah. You just you do your job. Do your job to the best of your ability. Follow all the rules. Dot your I's. Cross your T's. Document. Oh, my God. Document everything. Um, and ultimately, that's all you can do. But yeah, um, and I would absolutely recommend correctional nursing. If, if this is your calling, do it. It is a beast of a completely different nature than any other form of nursing you've ever done, but it is so fulfilling, absolutely so fulfilling. Yes, you've got your crap, but every, every nurse has to deal with crap. Yeah. But yeah, I absolutely recommend it. Did documentation play in? Save me? Yeah. Oh, yes. Because uh, remember that um, this happened in December of 2019. Uh, the charges came down in July of 2020. So mm -hmm. six months later, how many patients have I seen in six months? Yeah. Do I remember every little detail? Absolutely not. Right. I remember the basics and the generic. Um, uh, yeah, even there was even stuff that I forgot that was not in my documentation, stupid little things that I was reminded of by seeing the videos. Mm. So yeah, um, document it, document, document, document. Have, have you thought but about writing so a good. book? Has anybody brought that up to you? Um, yeah, um, that, that's not me. Somebody else wants to mm. write it. I'll dictate, but uh, okay. yeah, no, you need, you need like a, a ghostwriter. Um, yes, there you go. <laughs> Our chief nursing officer for... Uh, for Wellpath, she's the, the head nurse out of all of them for the, for the company. Um, she has started questioning me if I would do um, visits to different sites and mm. do education. For you need nurses. to do that. Oh, wow. You um, need to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. You should do that. She's like, you need to tell, especially all the new nurses, document all of this. Yes. <laughs> yep. So important. She wants, it's so important. She wants me to do educational, at least if nothing else, for for the well path nurses at the minimum. So we'll see. Do it. We'll see what happens. Do it. I want to say I know <laughs> I've just met you, but I love seeing you smile. Like you have such a contagious smile. You really do. Like, and me it's too. thank you. It's nice to see that at, at least as horrible as everything was that you went through, at least finally uh, things came to an it's end done. and you're, yeah. And you're, you're moving on and hopefully you can get back to what you love doing. So that uh, I honestly recommend humor to get yeah. through life. And correctional nurses have the best sense of humor of, I swear <laughs> of all the nurses I've come in contact, it's dark. It's, we all have a dark sense it's, of humor, but correctional oh, nurses are ours, special. I think ours is worth. <laughs> are a very special special group yeah. and I love them because it doesn't it doesn't matter what we video are. or joke I make they they are like yeah that's nothing Pete I love I it I will give you a, 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 a small example of the dark humor that um, not just as a correctional nurse but even my children have gathered because <laughs> I'm a correctional nurse my husband's a mechanic he works with tow truck drivers <laughs> yeah um my son when we first found out about <laughs> these charges he's like you know mom I gotta be honest with you I did not see this on my 2020 bingo card. <laughs> Mom arrested for murder. See, that was not on my 2020 bingo card. He goes, Dad, yes. Mom, no. <laughs> now that's funny. I, I mean, it that 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 uh, I like that kid. <laughs> my children are unique. Kids, they know how to bring some levity to a situation and try to. <laughs> I love it. You you I have to, and nursing's like that too. Oh, yeah. If you don't laugh, you're yes. gonna continue crying. Gonna cry. So, yeah, what and else have can a bleeding you... ulcer within six months. So, don't, yeah, you gotta laugh. Yep. Well, I've been very it... lucky that mo uh, my my support circle is dark humor, so we're good. 
That's great. <laughs> it, it has been my my pleasure to get to know you as a person. Uh, I admire you. Thank you. Uh, everything that you've been through, um, I cannot imagine. I know that it may not feel like uh, this at times, but the strength that you have exhibited uh, for the nursing community, um, you know, unmatched. We we need more nurses like you to fight back, you know, and you did, you fought back. You didn't just like take a plea deal. You know, you, you were like, no, I didn't do anything wrong. We're going to fight this. And you did. And I'm so glad that it had a good outcome for you. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and honestly, if one person can see what I went through and just, yeah, that's what I want to do, then it was worth it. It was worth it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so Thank you. much for coming Thank on. Thank you guys for doing this. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time on the next Nurses Uncorked. <laughs>